Hello everyone, welcome to this morning's episode of the Jewish Spot, Sports Spot, Jewish Spot, Ground Spot, all in the Jewish Spot. So, um, I didn't do an episode yesterday. Yesterday was Saturday. Today is a day of preparation. I do a lot of training in my place. Um, but as I promised, today is that day. I'm going to review chapter 3 of uh, Marginalized Monthly. So the title of our uh, discussion today is called The Playboy Problem. And I'm going to jump straight in. I don't have much to sorry to say um, I have a problem, a young lady says, a little shyly. It was the close of an it was the close of a main care meeting for employees of a large East Coast ministry. I had just concluded a brief of the study and dismissed the meeting when the girl drew me drew me to one side of the private pier. What is your problem? I asked. I have a problem, she repeated obliquely. Yes, I replied, wondering if he had heard me correctly. Exactly what can I agree with you, employer concerning? The tour writer asked this lady again. Her face drew, like, drew tight and tears welled up in her eyes. I don't really know, she stammered, biting her lip, but I have a real problem. I tried to be firm without being harsh. Ours is a god of specifics, no generalities. I told her, this is quite an interesting line. Ours is a god of specifics, no generalities. Interesting. I'll be happy to pray with you, but I need to know the nature of your problem so that I can pray specifically. Nobody else will know, just you and me. Well, I really don't know what my problem is. I responded in a halting fashion. As my husband says, I have problems. So I tried again. What does your husband say your problem is? Says I do not understand him, she finally said, recognizing other each word. What don't you understand? Suddenly the girl began to weep bitterly and looked away. As my husband says, my husband keeps magazines by his side by his side of the bed. She gasped quietly between sobs. Playboy, penthouse, and other magazines. He says he needs to look at them before he can have sex with me. He says he needs to stimulate himself further. Um, for those who are not familiar, um, Playboy Penthouse is a porn magazine. Yeah. yeah, they're not very common here in Africa. As I heard the sad part, but then it's not really a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. But they're more common and safe. You can easily get them. So she squeezed out the sentence, tears flowing down her face. I told him he doesn't really need those magazines, but he says I don't understand him. He says if I really loved him, then I would understand why he has to have the magazines, and I would let him get more of them. What does your husband do for a living? I inquired. He's a youth minister. I stood there incredulous, and I... As I realized that she was, as I realized what she was telling me, I was listening to this woman tell me her husband was a youth minister 
who get a pile of pornographic pornographic literature by his bed. Your husband will be a youth minister. I spend a billion, but he is a pornographer. The girl's head snapped to attention. It was as if I had slapped her solidly across the face. She had never expected to hear her husband described as a pornographer. And yet, his lifestyle made him exactly that. In this modern era, we don't have things, we have problems. We have psychologized the gospel and in the process we have eliminated the word sin from our vocabulary. Now this is very true. Actually, I agree with what he says. In our current world, there are so many things that we are actually doing wrong. You know, mostly, mostly, mostly it's actually things I think. Um, struggling a lot with sin but then um we fashioned out this new word and replaced it with sin we call it problem i'm struggling with this problem but in this sense we are struggling with sin but society just wants to know the fact that we have sin so we call it problem this is very true and i think it's one thing that most of us can't relate with yeah a woman came to me once with a sad story. Her husband had treated her badly for years and had finally left her going for divorce. The church member, church member, confessed Christian for many years, she now found herself alone and pain. Responding to her feelings, she went to a nearby city and spent and spent the weekend with her man. She had, as she put it, she had as she put it biological necessities mm -hmm. so this is this is a woman this is another story actually we've left this one of the um pornographic youth minister now we're looking at another story of a woman who came to our writer once um for being left by uh, by her husband and uh, well after after that period um she went to another city and spend the weekend with another man um as she said she put it it was for biological necessities this is what this means yeah so our writer asks do you realize what you've done i demand i, I demanded that she sat in my office the lady was taken aback why i hit her son how you are an adulteress she said her eyes opened wide and her face flashed with she was offended that I had called her an adulteress. And yet, having committed adultery, she was an adulteress. To her, it had not been a sin, just a problem she had. So we don't talk about sin today. We talk about problems. Problems are more convenient than sin because we don't have to do anything about problems. If we have only a problem, we can get sympathy for it or understanding for it or professional help for it. To name a few, Sins, on the other hand, have to be repented, confessed, and forsaken. So this is the thing. So if we expand more on um, the modern world's perspective of what sin is, we've um, put a new phrase to what we term as sin. It's become problems, as I said earlier. And uh, it's so easy to have a problem. You rather, rather have a problem than be sinning, because 
problems. Well, problems don't require you to take major steps about about it. Many problems can be solved or solve themselves at times. But the thing is, seeing sin, you have to be responsible about it. You have to take time to confess, to repent. You have to take time to make amends with your with your maker concerning your actions. You have to stop having that problem in quotes and solve your sin so that you can work on yourself. I think that's why people embrace the word problems more. Problems aren't they aren't as heavy as sin. Sin sin bears responsibility. And the problem with the with the modern world is that we tend to avoid what we term as responsibility. Responsibility is is a threat to a lot of young people, especially in this this generation of ours. Before we continue, um, in the process of rewriting biblical language, we have escaped a confrontation with our sin. But without that confrontation, we don't do anything about them. All problems in life are somehow based on sin. That is why man needs a savior from his sins as an answer to his problems. God knew that. That's why Jesus Christ came to die for our sins and be the answer to all our problems. This is very true. These are words that carry so much meaning when you come to think of it. Most of the problems we experience in our lives, somehow, directly or indirectly, they are as a result of sins that we've either committed or at times even we bear the sins of our ancestors. When we experience problems, it's because of probably one or two things that someone or you yourself did somewhere out there. So, um, Christ, Christ came to this world to be an answer to our problems, right? Like, the reason why he died was for our sins. And then, that death for our sins will bring an answer to all our problems. You get those things for it. Problems don't exist without sin. And sin doesn't exist without problems. It's just, it just works like that. Let's continue. Church discipline is lax, weak, or non-existent in many churches where Apostle Paul advocates for discipline. If anyone calls himself a jerk, Paul wrote, and maintains a lifestyle or habitual pattern of sin, don't keep company with him, don't even lunch with him, have no fellowship with him. Well, this is this is the part where, where um, I guess most people don't like approaching, but well, it's, it's the reality of our world. Um, the modern world, we tend to avoid confronting sin and sinners themselves. There is no discipline in the church. And I think as time go as time has gone by with the commercialization of religion, um, churches tend to be how do I put it, more lenient. You know, they are, they give room for you to sin. They allow you to sin. You see, uh, let me give you an example. Um, at times, churches create these events, especially for the youth. You see, it's very hard controlling the young people in society because they tend to be very unruly. So, 
um, an example is a situation whereby a chat breaks an event for the youth. Yeah, those are excited and everything. Well, when these guys go for that event, the things that happened, that's just something else. People go committing all types of sin, drinking, sex, you know, all those things that people do. And the worst part is that the church will be mean and do all this. They'll be like, yeah, and young people tend to associate themselves with churches that are more lenient, but we avoid churches that are very strict. As in that's that's the the modern go the modern gospel. It's easier for a young person to go to a ch- church at a bamba rather than going to, you know, Kalia strict a strict church that has rules that people have to go by that doesn't bend to your needs or wants but you have to bend to the needs of Christ that's the thing that we tend to avoid a lot we prefer the lenient types of churches where sin isn't isn't um, condemned as much so let's continue this is the book of First Corinthians chapter five verse eleven. It says, um, <clears throat> "But now I have written unto you, not to keep company of any man that is called a brother, be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or an adulterer, or a reeler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. With such, with such, and one not to eat." So these are the words of. Paul, where he says, you know, if someone is doing these kinds of things to profit from him, you're not doing this out of out of um, hatred, but rather out of love. You have to make this person feel responsible for what they're doing so they can repent. So we continue. <clears throat> Contrary to what you think or anyone else may think, this is an act of love, not of hate. Uh-huh. You see. God's ways are, of, are as high above our ways as the heavens are above the earth. Paul had the mind of the Lord when he wrote those words. If a person calling himself a Christian continues in his sin, in his, in his sin with impunity and is allowed full member, membership privileges, he has no incentive to confront or confess or set aside his sin. Why should there be any change? The person has the sin and still has the acceptance of the believers. <coughs> This is true. It's more of a mental, mental approach to ensuring Christians come back to Christ. I mean, if someone is sinning, why don't we? Um, this is what should be done. Actually, it's just that I can't. You can't be on prayers with your parents, but this is what should be done. If we isolate you, you will feel the need to come back to us. You feel the need of changing your way so that you can get acceptance. But if you accept the sin among you, like, you see, the problem isn't sinning, but a constant pattern of sinning. Like, you're sinning constantly. Till a time, till a time, till a time, till a time. So, isolation works best for you to come back. If, 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 if you have full membership and full privileges in Asazan, I mean, you don't feel condemned. Nothing will be told of you. 
So let's continue. Often the person committing the sin would rather admit that he has a problem or that he's just unfortunate or real or cry when dealt with in this system. Human sorrow is when we are only when we are only sorry for getting caught. God's sorrow is when we are sorry for the sin and we have a desire to get rid of it. So this is where we sh- we see um the writer tries to show us the 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 differences in terms of perspective between what God really sees and what man sees. So from a human perspective, we are only sorry for getting caught most of the time. We feel bad, we are sorry for getting caught. But God's sorrow is when we are sorry for the sin and we have the desire to get rid of it. You see, as a human being will continue to do the same mistake over and over and over and over again until he's caught, then he will be sorry. But God's sorrow is when we realize that we are actually sinning and we have a desire to get rid of this sin. So let's continue. If Paul were living in our world, the current modern world, mm-hmm. he would be contesting the modern secular humanist, laying siege to the strongholds of thought that have taken hold of our minds and blinded us to the truth. They, they are really are seducing spirits and doctrines of evil. We see them at work in our world today. We have been seduced into thinking we have problems instead of sin. A modern doctrine stemming from lies devoid of God's light tell us. Mm-hmm. I'm all right, and we are all right, rather than the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 2, it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory. So I went out. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what is our writer trying to tell us? He's trying to say the modern world. Uh, or the secular humanist um, has convinced us that instead of having sin, we are actually struggling with problems. Quotes in quotes, we have problems instead of sins. Um, the modern doctrine stemming our from our lives are devoid of God's life. That's very true. This is the doctrines of the current world, the belief systems of the world at the moment. We we lack we lack the essence of um our maker in them you know like they are not founded on the principles of what god had planned for us from the very beginning when he mentions seducing spirits seducing spirits are spirits that convince us that the perspective we have isn't based on god but rather on human principalities that's why we are convinced that we don't have sin, we just have problems. We're going through problems, we're going through challenges. But the real thing is we're struggling with sin. You see, that's why he says if Paul was existing in our modern world, then he would be in disagreement with the human socialists of today. You see? Humanists. Humanists. Like the people who set the doctrines of the current world, they will never be in agreement. Because the ideologies they are spreading to humanity are not centered on Christ or God. So let's continue. Um, this is uh, this is this is the, the writer telling us another story. 
I went out for coffee with an embattled pastor. He had nearly lost his church. Choir members of the congregation had known for a long time that the minister of music had committed acts of homosexuality. He had been involved to the extent that is that 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 it was known openly. For a long time, nobody said a word. We were all hoping that something would happen and a change would occur. Finally, the secret leaked out and eventually was told to the pastor. After much prayer and diligent searching of the truth, the time came when the pastor and the music minister met and confronted the issue. The music minister admitted everything. You need to do one of two things, the pastor told him directly. You must either repent or resign. The music minister considered the choices and made his calculated decision. He would do neither. Instead, he began to circulate among the choir members and then among the, the people in the congregation, curing, curingly favor, favors. Presently, a delegation of choir members approached the, the pastor. You don't understand. The spokesman offered. He simply has a problem. It was just, if we just surround him with love and understanding, that will help him. He will be able to change. The pastor said, you don't understand. If you simply surround him with love and understanding, and he doesn't have to repent for, for, of his sin, he will never be able to change. So then, the battle lines were drawn. The delegation spread into the church fanning the fires and turning other church members against the godly pastor whom they accused of being unloving. Upper ensued. A serious meeting was held and by the divine intervention, the godly pastor stayed. The music minister left together with many sympathizers. The church then went through a difficult period of time but God vindicated that godly pastor's position. Today, that church is stronger than it was before the crisis. Pastor himself is a stronger man. Very interesting. So this this is quite an interesting theory, but I wouldn't delve into it much because well, uh, let let let's just not talk about how the current world has romanticized homosexuality. Well, it's a it's a problem. It's something we can deal with. It's normal, but I think you get you get you get the gist of this story. So let's continue. Human, human wisdom has mangled the gospel truth. The difference between human wisdom and divine wisdom when it comes to sin is that human wisdom wants to cover it up. Adam tried to do that in the garden. First it was symbolic as he covered his nakedness. Then it was more than symbolic as he started the process of self-justification by placing his guilt and failure on Eve in order to cover his sin. Cover yourself. Blame somebody. The faulty human wisdom is at work today. Watergate become Watergate became the classic modern example of cover up. The wary yet resolute pastor refused to allow human wisdom and mere sentimentality to stand in the way of divine rightness. He would not allow sin to be covered up and call a problem. This 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 guy, the 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 music the music minister, yeah. Um, he was 
he was involved in homosexuality in a church setup. I think that's that's wrong in a lot of grounds. Personally, I, it's one thing that I say it should be shunned upon in a church setup. Uh, it's so wrong. You've, we, we've, we've all read the Bible, and I believe as a Christian who's really understood the Bible, you understand why Julian be engaged in homosexuality. To be very honest, I just, it's one thing I'm not afraid to talk about, and I, I just don't think it's right at all. It's more than a problem. <clears throat> it's something that people have to actually sit down, repent, and find their way to Christ. Because it's not right. If God had a plan for us to actually be involved in such manner, then from the very beginning, we just have created two men. But then people will always argue about this. But for me, it's nothing I can have a conversation with you about. I, I believe and I know what is right. So let's just continue, right? <clears throat> So, um, behavioral psychology has no textbook adequate to deal with the scope of human dilemma. God wrote the book on salvation from sin long before it became problem solving. God commands obedience to his word. He does not allow the fashionable when it comes when it violates his sovereign word. Our modern hey, is a difficult word right here. Laces far, I think it's French. Attitude is not cute to God. It is an, an abomination to Him, and He commands us, not invites, but commands us to repent and obey. Like God doesn't invite you to repent, He's not begging you, He's commanding you. Sin cannot be romanticized in such a way that it's a problem, it's something we can just simply love each other and, you know, deal with. You know, let's hold this church minister close to. To us and give him time so that he can no no god doesn't want that god god is created in the image of man and he demands man is created in the image of god rather and he demands he demands any other word that we repent our sins we don't romanticize sin we repent we confess and repent so the gap between human wisdom and divine wisdom is immeasurably wide in our fleshly wisdom, we have covered our value system according to our lusts. Man looks at his space, at his space technology. Man looks at, at his space technology. This is Neiman Marcus Swiss, a picky time, a picky time magazine. I think he's wise. So man looks at his space technology, and well, he thinks he's wise. He teaches or is taught philosophies. That can only provide questions but no answers. He espouses a science that mocks creation. It is unable to provide anything but an unproven theory for what he believes about or for what he believes about evolution. Who is wise and understanding among you? James chapter thirteen verse three asks pointedly. If you have bitter envy and self seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. That's verse fourteen of James. 14. So this is the thing. This is um, a review or rather a, an understanding of what human wisdom is and the divine wisdom of God. Right? Um, I think there's a Bible verse that says, I'll put it in layman's words. It says that uh, mm, 
where the wisdom of man ends at the very peak of human wisdom is where the lowest point of god's wisdom begins like whatever we think that we've reached the peak of you know understanding that's like the lowest point for, for god for our divinity and the thing is there's so much gap between what we know and what he who created us knows the more we dive into philosophies you know try to understand the world we are more riddled uh, more riddled than answered of what we seek and to be very honest there's only one book that gives answers to all the questions we have in this world that's the bible the word of god you will never agree with this but that's a fact human understanding can never answer your question we can only come up with science and science doesn't really give answers to all the questions we want the more we dig deep into it the more questions we have and that's the truth yeah we create a science that mocks creation but it doesn't prove anything or doesn't come up with an unproven theory you see like all the theories that we have are, are either have contradictions or have weaknesses you know we've gone to school you see we're given an example evolution theory strengths and weaknesses so science is just so science is helpful but the foundation of science is christ is god himself you can't have science without god these two things cannot exist without without or relying on each other but mostly science can't exist without relying on the divinity of divinities that's the thing so our troubled world still with envy strife and difficulty is a product of our own proud worldly wisdom very true we claiming we understand more than the king of kings <laughs> we only make things difficult for ourselves human wisdom taught a generation of world leaders to believe that the deeper your debt the better off the economy will be this philosophy has brought america to the brink of economic ruin and this has happened before when we have dips in the economy you know like huge major dips that have happened in the 1930s mostly after the first world war we had one of those major dips so the, the sophisticated spirit the sophisticated spirit of the modern era based on human wisdom brings discord discord hurt and even eventual ruin it is true that since eden man has not improved in his nature he may have more technical knowledge but his nature is still the same saying that humanity is improved because of human technical expertise is like saying cannibal is better because he has a knife and fork wow this is such an amazing illustration of his ideas you see he says that our nature as men has never changed and it is true our nature is a sinful nature we are born with the eternal and immortal sin the sin of adam the one that is born of god our nature hasn't changed at all we are lying we are still liars as we used to be we did covering up our sins we still do it and um, saying that humanity has really improved just because of technical expertise is is quite outrageous our nature hasn't changed at all we've just changed our style of doing things so this illustration where he says that just because our our technical expertise has evolved over the years it doesn't mean that we've improved so 
so he says it's like saying a cannibal is better because he has a knife and fork a cannibal eats people so example let's say he was eating people with his bare hands now he's using a knife and fork oh he has proven don't improve if you're still stuck to your eternal sin or your your eternal burden let's continue but the wisdom that is from above james concluded is first pure then peaceful gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy that's the book of james chapter 2 verse 17 that is divine wisdom so we are taking an analysis of what really true wisdom is here right so um james says that true wisdom that is from above from god himself is pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and bears good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy so um i just say like uh, for more to understand for you to really claim that your 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 wisdom is from above your it has to be gentle it has to be to it has to be willing to yield i think willing to yield is to bear fruits right and um, it has to be it has to be without partiality it can be bearing or leaning towards one direction and they, above all things it's without hypocrisy if it's true wisdom it's not wisdom that seems hypocritical in nature i mean you express is expressed in such a way that um it goes against what what it preaches that's true wisdom so let's continue the human wisdom that sends us to do what our to do our own thing is not the wisdom that will lead us into the canon land i think from the very beginning of uh, maximized manhood we, we, we were really trying to get man to get to to his true canon and he continues he says you can never maximize your potential until you have received god's wisdom let's just highlight that you can never maximize your potential until you have received God's wisdom. This is tough but very true. The sweethearts living together out of wedlock are really fornicators. So this is where our writer really starts confronting sin. Those things that we don't like talking about. The foul-mouthed teenager is really a realer. God is no semantic, semantic lover. He talks a man's language he talks a man's language scripture lays it on the line sin is sin talk is not cheap it cost jesus christ his life for the gospel to be preached such talk has eternal consequences in texas i heard a story of a texan who died and went to his eternal reward once inside the grave he stood there speaking it all in the host came to spot him in his eternal abode the texan returned to the host and said partner i didn't realize heaven was so much like texas the host turned back and replied man you aren't in heaven the back slapping story has a chilling point there will be no sudden answers when the problem when the problem person plunges plunges into christless christless eternity sins will be taken seriously then 
appear but too late. So Playboy syndrome, um, biological necessities and homosexual problems will be normal. You must begin to tackle sin like men. Well, I think we've come to the end of chapter comes to an end in such in such a how do I call it an unexpected manner and the writer finishes off this this chapter in such a way that I can't even understand but let me just highlight what I understood I think this is where he says that men are created in the image of God God has a specific way he approaches sin how he tackles it how he tackles it, how he tackles it, how he expects us to behave after sinning and when approaching sin and sinners. As men, we've been created in his, in his image. The responsibility we have is tackling sin as sin itself. We have to call out sin for sin. We don't call the Playboy syndrome is that example of the chief minister. Who was telling his wife that she has a problem because he cannot be excited. She, she doesn't allow him to be excited sexually by going through this pornographic content before engaging himself. Then this biological necessities issue. You are you are committing sex outside wedlock and calling and claiming that it has been done out of biological necessity. Then he talks about the homosexual problem in quotes like you're committing homosexuality in a church setup you're rather okay you're committing homosexuality simply and you're not calling it out but you're phrasing it as a problem he gives more examples by saying that the sweethearts living together out of wedlock are really fornicators yet the foul mounted teenager is really a reeler yet he says that the scripture say, lays, it, lays it on a line that sin is sin. And talk is not cheap. You just can't. Talk isn't cheap. It costs Jesus Christ his life for the gospel to be preached. Such talk has eternal consequence. You just can't keep fashioning things in a romanticized way for them to seem appealing when they actually don't. You just can't make things seem so simple when they're not. I think the responsibility of us as men and women of choice is to really change our perspective of how we see sin. Sin isn't a problem, but it is it it leads to problems. Let, let me say that sin isn't a problem, but problems are consequences of sin. Yeah. The more you think you have problems, you know, there's a likelihood you are sinning more. You get like it Shadra correlates to, to each other. It correlates sin and problems. The, the closer you are to God, the less you're sinning. I think the more likely you are not going to experience problems. These problems that people face, they're going through issues, you know. Yeah, there are challenges, there are human challenges that we go through. But then there are these problems that we've put in our lives, we've termed them as problems when they are really sin. So, for today, I think we'll end it at that. And the bottom line is, let's call sin 
seen. Let's not romanticize it any other way than what it is. Let's approach it head on, airtight, and be true to ourselves. So today, um, on this Sunday, I think I I will stop at that. I wish you a great day, a successful day in whatever that you're going through. May you be blessed abundantly. May God put His hand in the work of your hands. May God put His hand above the work of your hand, just like initially. May continue blessing everything that you're doing. And um, I'd like to encourage anyone and everyone who has listened to the podcast of the last, this is the second episode. Although I used to do other episodes before, but this time I'm doing things differently. So if you've listened to this, I'd like to encourage you. As much as you are listening to this, take time and exercise. Take care of your body above all things. You know, in as much as you're doing other things out there, take care of your body. Exercise. Get into that gym, drink a lot of water, sun yourself, um, eat healthy. In this current or modern world, our health is so underrated. You know, we'd rather wait until we've taken we are taken to the extreme so that we can realize that we are battling with something that we would have sorted out years ago by just simply living healthy. So guys, take care of your health. This is one thing I'll keep emphasizing after the end of every after the end of every episode. So be blessed today and um, as you're approaching this new week, may God's mercies, blessings, favor be upon each and every person who has listened to this, has got the chance to listen to this. So be blessed.